Hey fellow brain pickers, how would you like to launch your very own podcast show like this one? Don't have the time or patience to deal with all the techie stuff? No worries. My company, Geffen Media Group, provides a complete done-for-you podcast service. We will come up with a great name for your show, design your website and podcast artwork, record the intro and outro, send you the equipment, find you great guests, edit and publish every episode, submit to iTunes and major podcast platforms, and promote your show to our network. So all you have to do is hit record and we do the rest. Your voice needs to be heard. So head over to geffenmediagroup.com. Welcome to the Can I Pick Your Brain podcast, where successful entrepreneurs get their brains picked so you can apply mindset tricks and game-changing tactics that will help you become unstoppable. Now, here's your host, Daniel Geffen. Hey, fellow brain pickers, and welcome to episode 134 of Can I Pick Your Brain. Today, I actually have a guest who's been on here before. His name is Joel Com. And um, he just published a new book called The Fun Formula. And in this episode, we talk about how business should be fun and how actually all of the accomplishments that he's had in his career so far has all come about because he was just having a little bit of fun. Uh, Joel Com has built multiple successful online companies, including worldvillage.com, dealofday.com, familyfirst.com, and classicgames.com, which was acquired by Yahoo. He's also a New York Times bestselling author of 15 books and a contributor to Forbes Inc., Entrepreneur and Social Media Examiner. His work has appeared in the New York Times, CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, among many others. So without further ado, Here's my conversation with Joel Com. So, Joel, so I'm going to obviously do an intro uh, when you're not on the show because I find that it's, it's kind of awkward when I'm trying to like do an intro for someone they have to sit through the whole thing. Um, tell us about the fun formula, Joel. So, um, you've written a bunch of books. I feel like I've followed you on your journey and I feel like you've gone back to being a child again. And that sounds offensive. But it's actually the, probably the biggest compliment anyone can give. Is to yeah, up, right. Not only does it uh, not sound or feel offensive, and it is a compliment. I don't know that I've ever stopped being a child. In fact, that's the core of what the fun formula really is all about. Is I've reverse engineered the successes that I've had over 23 years almost of doing business online. And I've discovered that there is a unifying theme to those successes. Um, and before I tell you what those are, let me tell you about why I decided now was the time to write this book. Uh, there is a mentality out there that is just so prevalent in the business space of hustling and grinding. Hustling and grinding. If you want to succeed, the messaging is that you need to get up early, you need to work late, you need to work weekends while your stupid friends are, you know, having drinks at, you know, together uh, or going to a concert. If you really want it, you got to hustle, hustle, hustle. Gary Vaynerchuk, baby. Well, you know, I, okay. I, I, I don't want to pick out Gary. Right, right in particular because of one reason. Hmm. Gary hustles because it's what he loves to do. And he'll tell people, don't be like me. Now, 
even though he tells people that they still aspire to. So they're still trying to duplicate what he does. I'm more talking about um, the, the people that are always, you know, posting about it, that it's not authentic to them. Yeah, that they're doing it because somebody told them they should or they're chasing this dream of having the Lambo in the garage, uh, you know, in the big house and stacks of cash and surrounded by beautiful people. And somehow materialism is going to be the thing that satisfies. Now, there are seasons in life where you do have to buckle down and it's, you know, spurts of hustle. Right. Because you got to get the job done sometimes. But as a lifestyle, it's unsustainable. Um, it, it, it'll damage your health. It'll damage your relationships. It's not it's it. And it's not what's going to bring you the success. So in the fun formula, what I did is I reverse engineered the the unicorns in my story. You know, I've had about six of them, six or seven, where they were, you know, the Grand Slam home runs, a New York Times bestseller, selling a site to Yahoo, having a number one in the world iPhone application, having the top cryptocurrency podcast, you know, in iTunes. These things, these are the unicorns. And what I discovered is that they took the least effort. The wow. thing that I have worked and worked and worked and worked to accomplish were most often the things that at best had moderate success and often led to failure. But the things that uh, that came from living out the fun formula, and the formula is really simple. It's not a mathematical equation, but it does have three parts. And those three parts are, first of all, being able to see where you are most creative. Uh, and this kind of locks into the, you know, what we hear again and again about following your passion, right? Where your heart leads you, because where your heart is, that's where you're most likely to be your most creative. You're going to do things that matter to you. Uh, the second part of the formula is taking risks. As entrepreneurs especially, we have to be willing to fail. And while we can talk about all the unicorns that I've been able and blessed to experience in my life, we could also talk about the failures that are some of the greatest teachers. And finally, the third part of it is serendipity. It's what I call trusting the process. It's allowing for things to happen in their right time, not trying to force them, but trusting that as you're on this journey of life, the right call to the right person, the right email, the going to the right event, the little things that move mountains again and again, I have determined are the things that have led to not only my greatest success in business, but the greatest fulfillment in life. How do you know what the right thing is? It, it, well, it's part of trusting that process, right? And so I listen to my heart and my mind to determine where does my curiosity lead me. So, for example, back in 1997, I had already had a website up, and we had a couple of online games. And my webmaster said, hey, check out what this guy is doing. He's built a Java game room that is multiplayer, and he's got a couple of his friends beta testing it, you know, backgammon, chess, checkers, heart, spades. And I thought, oh, that's really interesting. And I went to the guy and I said, hey, let's partner up. And we did. Uh, and it became ClassicGames.com, which we started growing on our own. And I went out and knocked on the doors of the big search engines at the time, you know, which were Excite, InfoSeek, America Online, Lycos, 
trying to see if they wanted to partner. Well, guess what? None of them did. They weren't, they didn't have the foresight, but I got a knock on my door via email from Yahoo. They came to me and we ended up selling classic games to Yahoo for seven figures and it became Yahoo Games. The amount of effort that I put into that was just based on following my own curiosity and desire to play in this particular sandbox. I worked fewer hours for that deal than just about anything that I've done. Hmm. It's interesting. It's like the 80-20 rule, right? 95.5. You think it's 95.5? I, I do. I, and, I, and again, this is what this book extracts and distills. Mm-hmm. In fact, on my, you know, we were just talking about taking walks. Um, yeah. and, and I do, I walk every day. I try to walk an hour, sometimes more, sometimes less. And I do, I listen to podcasts, but as I do, I find that my mind will go off on one particular thing I heard in the podcast and I'll start thinking, uh, you know, and I'll, I'll, I won't actually be listening anymore. I'll be thinking. 100%. And uh, this very morning, I was thinking about the messaging for the fun formula, and I realized how little work I have done for the big things. For example, I, I started making a lot of money with Google AdSense back in 2004. And a friend said to me, you should write an ebook about it because I was making $500 a day. So I'm like, oh. Okay, 66-page ebook. Actually, got a uh, uh, a friend to help me put it together, and then you know I edited it, and we put it out there for sale. I thought, oh, maybe you know I'll make a few dollars off this AdSense ebook. A marketer by the name of Paul Myers picked up on it, promoted it to his list, and the rest is history. I didn't even ask him to do it, not to my recollection. Uh, Little things. Just being sensitive to the process that's unfolding in my own life. And I could, again and again and again and again, I can point to this. This is the formula. And it's not that I'm so special or I'm so smart because, you know, I'm not. (laughs) But uh, approaching this childlike wonder, this, uh, this desire to live a life, that is meaningful, um, that is full of experiences and full of people rather than things. Materialism is a dead-end road. I've made a lot of money. I've lost a lot of money. I, money once you know how to make money, it's, it's, that's not the challenge anymore. Mm-hmm. It's, it's more about finding purpose in your life. And the people that are out there selling you uh, the materialism mm-hmm. as their big selling point, guess what? Yeah, you might get a lot of stuff, but if you think that's going to make you happy and content and fulfilled, you have just bought a bill of goods. Wow, my head is spinning with so many different like ways I want to go down, like paths. Like, should I go yeah. down here with him? Should I go down pick there? Pick one. I'm Anyone. Pick, They're all good. I'm going to pick one. So what you said about you not being so smart, first of all, I, I think you're very smart, but I think, it's, I think it doesn't matter. I think actually the more smart you are, uh, the, the bigger your handicap. Hmm. Well, there's a big difference, Daniel, between knowledge and wisdom. Um, I, I like right. to think that my years have made me wiser uh, because knowledge is knowing stuff, but wisdom is knowing what to do with it. And I know some incredibly intelligent people that their heads are full of knowledge, but they are dumb as a box of rocks. <laughs> to life itself and to being right. able to discern and perceive and evaluate and see. But I'm also talking about, 
I like that point you made, but I'm going down the route of it's almost like if you're just ignorant, you're better off. Because when we overthink things through, you like try to you try to come up with the best game plan. Usually we fall flat on our face. Usually we come, but like the stories you shared earlier about you know, well, I didn't even know what I was doing. Like I don't even know what. Like I was just doing this, and then suddenly Yahoo knocks on my door, and this happens. It's like. Being ignorant sometimes it just serves you better. Like we just don't know any better. Yeah. We get out of our way. I, I don't disagree. It's uh, it's the bumblebee syndrome, right? You've probably heard that the the bumblebee uh, as an insect is aerodynamically, uh, physically too heavy to be supported by its own wings. Mm-hmm. It's just it's 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 actually not possible, and yet. It flies anyway, and uh, when we take this approach, I think we're bumblebees. It's it, it's we don't overthink things. I don't overplan things. Uh, I can't tell you what I will be doing a year from now. I don't. The idea of a five-year plan or a ten-year plan has yeah. always been foreign to me. And this is I'm not a young man. I'm not an old man, but I'm 54. This is, uh, you know, this is not my first rodeo. I've been doing this for a while, and my attitude has always been like this, and it always works out. Where do you get that from? Um, you know, part of my DNA, I suppose. My father is is uh, not that person, you know, way more conservative in mm-hmm. terms of risk-taking. My mother, however, is more of a free spirit. She's the world traveler, has been on every continent, and, and every few weeks takes off for a few weeks to, you know, somewhere else exotic in the world. And so maybe I got some of that from her. Uh, maybe it's just my own DNA. Maybe it's laziness. Uh, the idea of hard Hard work, uh, as you know, has been passed down from past generations, is never one that's really appealed to me as a virtue. Work, hard work, in and of itself, it is virtuous, right? Especially if you, the job needs to be done. You're supporting a family. You know, you got kids that you need to feed. If you need to work three jobs to make sure that your responsibilities are being met, then that's fantastic. But working hard just to pursue the dollar is is not virtuous. And somehow we have equated, well, if hard work is a virtue, then 10xing that is <laughs> 10 times more virtuous. That is a load of bull. It's bull. It just why? So why are people chasing it though? You see people like they I'm going to 10x my business this year. I'm going to are selling it to them cuz people are selling it to them and because why are we they, buying it? They because people are unsatisfied with where they are or with what they have or what they think they're supposed to have. Uh, it could be because contentment is not something that is sold and marketed to us, so we're told not to be content. You know, some of the most content people in the world are they are in poverty. They, you know, if we go to yep. third world countries, you'll find mm-hmm. people that don't have the materialism mindset. hundred percent. With their little hovel, they have their family, they have their needs, and they're, they're content. Yep. Um, and there's been studies that show once you get past a minimum amount, we're talking $30,000, $40,000, that people can have more, but it doesn't, that doesn't make them more content internally. So people are selling um, on the backs of others this concept that you need more. Everything in our society teaches us we need more. I'm telling you that you need to follow your own instincts 
and creativity. You need to be willing to take risks and fall down. Anybody who's ever accomplished anything great takes risks and has failed. And you need to be willing to go with the flow and, and trust the process. Now, I'm a spiritual man. I, you know, I have a faith in God, which is very important to me. So for me, it's trusting God with how my life unfolds. Uh, for others, you might call the universe or whatever. Whatever it is you call it, put yourself in a position of having some faith to trust that, guess what? Things tend to work out in a, in a direction that I think is ultimately for our good. Doesn't mean bad things don't happen. Look at the world we live in. They do. But uh, I, I think that when we learn to trust and go with the flow, things happen in their own time. In fact, if you'll um, uh, indulge me, I have a great story to tell about this because never are we more challenged to live out um, what we're teaching than when we're put in that situation ourselves. Uh, but there's going to be people that say, ah, Joel, you know, you've already had this success and that success. It's easy for you. While I was writing this book mm -hmm. right here, um, I had come through a few years of post-separation and divorce, very challenging time for me. And while I was writing other books and, and while I was speaking and had all the appearances of being successful, internally I was struggling. And what I was struggling with was I'm writing this book and I'm talking about my past unicorns, these major successes I've had, and I've, I'm thinking, what if that's it? What if I've seen the greatest success that I'm ever going to have uh, and from now on, I'm just going to coast or it's all downhill from here. And, and I, you know, uh, I look at somebody, for example, like Tony Do you think Robbins. someone like, like the Joker from Batman, the reason why he killed himself is because of that? I don't know. That's a fictional character, so I'm going to go with uh, real no, world. I'm talking about the real guy, the actor. Oh, Heath Ledger. Uh, Heath Ledger, sorry, yes, I was. Um, I'm saying like him and people like in Hollywood who make it. and I mean, he was at the prime. Sure. Is it that he got to the top of the proverbial mountain and then said, oh, my God, is this it? There's well, nothing else? That, that, that certainly happens again and again. And also, the thing about mountaintop experiences, uh, you know, I live in Colorado. I'm looking out at a mountain right now that's 14,100 feet tall. And there's people that climb this mountain, Mount Evans here, just mm -hmm. west of Denver. People climb that mountain. But and they get up there, and they're like, woohoo! But <laughs> once you get to the top of the mountain, guess what? There's not a lot of oxygen. You can't. <laughs> stay on top of the mountain. Hmm. You have to come down. And those that experience mountaintop experiences and don't know how to descend again in a healthy way, that's why people do get depressed because you can't live up there. You can't breathe. So back, uh, back, circle back to the story hmm. is while I'm writing this book, Daniel, I am questioning myself and thereby questioning what I am writing about and what I'm teaching because here I am wondering, uh, I'm, tr I'm, I'm waiting, but what is my next move? Am I just going to write about the past? Am I going to be uh, – some people are big Tony Robbins fans. Yeah. I don't go in for the rah-rah. Not my <laughs> thing. I feel like Tony is toasted for the past. You don't like uh, cold showers and hot coals? 
I, I, just, <laughs> I, don't, I don't care for any of it. I think it's a big show. And I know some people get stuff from that, and that's fine. That's well. I've spoken at his conferences. I've taught, you know, internet business at his conferences before. And it's fine. It's well. It's good. But I feel like he's coasting. I don't feel like there's anything innovative that's come from him in over two decades. I don't want to be that guy. I want to do something new. I want to be alive now producing. And as I'm writing the book, I'm doubting if that's going to happen again. First draft goes in. I'm still doubting it while I'm waiting for the editor to send me back a draft for me to look at again. It happens. And I never saw it coming. Uh, about a year ago, I started taking a real interest, a personal interest in cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, blockchain, that whole world of digital money in the future. And there was something about it that intrigued me. And I started having discussions about crypto with my friend Travis Wright, who's a leading marketing technologist. And for several months, Travis and I would be on Messenger almost every day saying, oh, what do you think of this price? And what do you think of this coin? And what do you think of the future of this? And July 16, 2017, he messages me and he said, when are we going to start the Joel and TW crypto show? And he, he put a little winky face. He was being yeah. sarcastic and funny. But the moment he said that, I said, I'm calling you now. We, because it sounded so fun and was so in line with where our creativity and passions were, we decided to take a risk. The opportunity itself surfaced two days later, the Bad Crypto Podcast released the first episode with all the social profiles, the website, the, the hosting account set up, and the show has gone up, up, up Amazing. ever since. Because, and it's a unicorn. It's, I think today we're like number 45 in all wow. business podcasts. That's insane. We've had, in 10 months, we've had over 4 million downloads of our show. Wow. And, and what it affirms to me is, yes, what I am teaching and saying in here, I was forced to apply while I was writing the book, and it worked once again. That's insane. Yeah. What, why? What, what, makes your, what makes your crypto, there's so many bloody crypto guys out there, so many crypto mm. podcasts, what makes yours the best? Well, I, I, I don't know if it's the best, the, but it's, yeah. it's one that stood out. And the reason it stood out is because uh, Travis and I took the approach of, hey, we're going to call it the bad crypto podcast right. because we're pretty new to this. We don't really know enough. It's going to be our journey. The other shows that were out there at the time, they did have an understanding and they were highly technical. And over so again, a lot of it goes stuff. back to the theme. You guys were ignorant. And you we didn't were ignorant. Know. Right. And, and, and self-deprecating, and we understood, and we, t we didn't try to be like one of these other shows. We tried to be, we didn't try to be, we just, we would be, we were us. And the show is fun, and it's irreverent, and there's information, and there's entertainment, and we interview leaders in the space, and we're learning. And that draws people to it because they're like, you know what? I don't understand what these other shows are talking about, but these guys <laughs> I can relate to. I can learn about crypto, and I can laugh. Right. And so something about that natural, uh, the organic unfolding of the show really resonated with people. Uh, now, I've done six, five or six other podcast series over the years. None of them clicked like this one did. Uh, and, and when I look at them now, I see how they were all more, well, I guess I'll do a podcast about this. Yeah. And while I was excited to some degree about them, it wasn't like I really was that passionate. Yeah. 
No, this 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 podcast that you're on right now came from this just oh my god, like a little kid in a in a candy store. It's like, uh-huh. oh my god, I'm so excited to do this. This is so it, different, you know. It's the best way. It's the best way. It and it's not overplanned. Mm. And you're just going to do it and then you're going to see what happens. And you know what? And I'm going to give you a for those listening to this perfect example, I don't even know the name of this show yet. <laughs> it's okay, Yama. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm thinking of calling it the Daniel Geffen show because I've got the ego the size of Texas. But like, I haven't even picked the name yet. Yeah. I, you know what? I did the Joel Com show twice. Yeah. And I, I guess, you know, if, you, if I was Joe Rogan, that might make sense, you know, or right. Mark Marin. Uh, right. But, you know, I don't, as, as known as I am, I'm still not known by most people in the world. So right. I think something uh, a little more intriguing might serve you better. We could talk about that. But I wanted, to pro- I wanted to bring this point, and that is that one, one thing that I noticed in your book is you've got a chapter on showing up, right? And, you know, everything we've talked about, about having fun and just going with your heart and, and your gut, and, but you've still got to take the action. Like, sure. ultimately, like, you, you know, you, what's great about that story, about the crypto story, is that your friend, like, you know, had this idea, and it was, like, kind of tongue-in-cheek, and you just said, let's do it. Right, and you yeah. went, and within two weeks you had it live, and within two days, two days, holy two cow, days. Right? two days, yeah, right. Similarly, I had this idea to do this show last week, and here we are. We're like, you know, on this, and um, and it's quite funny because I remember I said to myself, oh, but I need to get those those special mics because it's on the go because I'm walking through the park. Like I have a professional mic for when I'm sitting in, in the studio mm-hmm. uh, for my other show, but for this show, it's on the go. So I went on YouTube and I spent like two hours trying to find the perfect microphone because it's got to be. And then I said, do you know what? Screw it. I'm just going to plug in the regular headphones that come with the, the cell phone that I've got. I'm just going to record episode one on there. And that's it. It's just about basically imperfect action. It's just showing up and, and putting yourself out there. Um, and, and I think that's in a way easier when you don't have that stress, mm-hmm. when you don't have to plan everything out. Like I think part of that, the fun formula, I haven't read your book yet because you haven't sent me a copy and I'm cheap. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'll, I'll get a copy of it. Um, is it, part of the fun formula is it's the reason why it works. I think, correct me if I'm wrong, is once the pressure has gone, then you're able to flow. Then you're able to, to enter your zone of genius, as they say. Mm-hmm. Whereas when everything's a pressure, like I've got to make this the best. I've got to make this much money. I've got to 10x this. And I've got to, then, it, then you're just, you're just, you're not in your creative zone. You're not like free flowing, you know? I don't, I don't dispute yeah. that. And in fact, uh, uh, you know, people have asked me many times, what if you were starting over again without hmm contacts that you had without, you know, your past successes, without any advantages, right, that they, that that I may be perceived to have, I would go to an event where people are talking about the things that most interest me. And I think that I could bring value to other people's lives. And then I would ask questions. What do you need? What problems are you having? And I would listen because if somebody had a problem that I could solve, that's where I would step in. And I would say, I can help you with that. Guess what? That's where that that's where everything lines up. Just show up. I can't tell you how many events that I've gone to, some that I've spoken at, others that I've not, just because I wanted to 
be there, not knowing what I was going to come back with and coming back with, uh, you know, a relationship that's led to seven figure deals and mm. it's happened and it's just for showing up. And so, you know, what do you got to lose? Yeah. <laughs> But can I, you know, at the same time, stop going to events and and saying you should hire me for this or yeah. to do that and, and throwing your card at everybody. Yeah. Throwing off ask, your card. Ask people what did they need and then listen. And most of the time, you know, I wrote two books called So What Do You Do? Discovering the Genius Next Door with One Simple Question because the question, so what do you do, is the most popular question asked at networking events. And sometimes we ask it and we're just waiting for that person to finish telling us so we can tell them what we do. 100%. So shut up. Ask the question. Not you, them. Yeah. <laughs> ask the question. You can't tell me to shut up with my show. It's my show. <laughs> it's my show. <laughs> Listen. Listen to them because they will tell you what they need. And if what they need is now uh, in alignment with what you can do for them, then share. Otherwise, just gather information and wait for the right opportunity to present itself. Love it. And it really comes down to two things, and we're going to wrap it up, and that's patience and trust. Hmm. I, I feel like we're in a generation that is so impatient because we, we're so used to getting everything right now that oh man, I don't want to like ask people what they do and not tell them what I do because I want to just get to the sale already. Like everybody who just wants to get married on the first date, that's just how it works and like, everything. Uh, and then that comes down to a lack of trust. Like ultimately, it just comes down to believing and trusting that it will work out if you just allow it. Like just yeah, pe go. people are scared. They want control. They want to know that, you know, that, that they can manipulate the circumstances and the end result. And guess what? You cannot. Whatever illusion of control you think you have, trust me, your control is very limited. There are 7 billion people in the world. There are factors in our society. There are environmental factors. There is so much that is not in your control that if you think that with any means you can manipulate the results, to the, the way you want it, uh, you're, you're in for a rude awakening. But the more we let go of that desire to control and allow things to take place, um, not only are they more likely to flow in a way which is most beneficial for you and for the others you're going to impact, but you're going to be less stressed and you're going to be more content. There's that word again. Don't buy the crap that people are selling you. I mean, this, this book is what, 1995? Read it, don't read it. But if you just take what I taught you here today, then you're already ahead of those who haven't read the book. I don't even have a course to sell on the back end for this. This is, this right. is it. I love it. So guys, buy the book. It's The Fun Formula by Joel Cohn. Go onto Amazon, click buy, get the book, and uh, have some fun. Yeah, there's a few bonuses too, Daniel. If they go yeah. to funformulabook.com, mm -hmm. uh, it's the site set up by my publisher. And if you either pre-order or order for like a couple weeks afterwards, there's $100 worth of bonuses, including nice. some training videos, um, uh, some of the audio book, uh, a webinar that's going to be just for readers of the book and such. So uh, funformulabook.com. Funformulabook.com. Thank you so much, Joel. And uh, thank you to all my listeners here. 
and we'll speak to you soon. You've been listening to the Can I Pick Your Brain podcast. Inspiration without perspiration is like a tiger without teeth. So to put these ideas into action, head over to danielgeffen.com.